Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who needed a double shot of espresso or three cups of coffee or a swift kick in the keister to get them up on this Monday morning. Saints fall, the Atlanta Falcons 27 to 25. And how do we feel this morning? to the Dirty Birds. That will give you the blues. It's not just that they lost. It's how they lost, right? I mean, you come all the way back. And, and if you're like me, look, first of all, let's get this the introduction out of the way. I always forget lately since I stopped writing a script and I just go off my brain. This is episode 20 of the Datitude podcast. That's right, 20 episodes for a November the 8th, 2021. Don't feel like much like celebrating the fact that we've done 20 episodes now. Because I got the damn blues. You can't lose it. You score 22 points in the fourth quarter. You take a 25. You know, I, I, if you're like me, and my wife had to go in the other room. But I'm screaming at the TV when it was 27 to 6, and you could see they start coming back. I'm like, just let the Falcons do what they do. Just do what you do, Matt Ryan. Just do what you do, Atlanta. And they did what they did. The problem is, I think we got a little bit too cocky. That defense at the end, you let Cordero Patterson go, really? You got two guys that you can't let go. Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. The rest of them can do whatever the hell they want to do. Because they're not going to go down the field far enough to beat you. But how do you let Cordero Patterson go one-on-one with a Debo down the right sideline with no help? Where the hell is Marcus Williams? By the time he got there, it was too late. Two games this season, I thought the Saints had just complete coach lapses. This wasn't as bad as the Giants game. But it was bad. I mean, you, you can't, you cannot lose to a team like this if you are expecting to be of relevance. It's as simple as that. I said going into the game, I said all week last week, I'm 7-1 and one against the spread when it comes to the Saints. Whoop-de-doo. Because they're easy to read. You think they're hard to read? They're not. They're not hard to read if you really look into it and figure it out. They're a team that's going to, Get themselves fired up for the really good teams and play well. 
and they're going to play like crap against teams that are crappy. And I don't care if Atlanta's 4-4, four and four, they're crappy. They're not a good team. They're not going to be of any significance this year in the playoffs because they're not going to make it to the playoffs. So if you want to be one of those teams, the one that beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers, that's fine and dandy that you do that, but you can't lose to the Giants, the Panthers, and the Falcons. You just can't. The Panthers, you can give them a pass because the coaches were all gone. It's like I talk about uh, we've got Garland Gillen coming up in about 10 minutes, um, and he's going to talk about it with me. And you can forgive the Panthers' loss, right? I mean, you just came back from Jacksonville. The, the team's still living in Dallas. They're all over the place. Ida still has a foothold on the city. You don't know when you're coming home at that point. Um, I mean, you hope you're coming home in a couple of weeks, but you don't know. And so, and the coaches got COVID and whatever, I'm going to give them a pass. But you come home and you're, you're home opener, you're stinking up against the Giants, and then you come back after you beat the world champions and you play like that. Going back to what I said, I could see it coming. I said it wouldn't surprise me if the Saints lost this week. I certainly didn't think they would cover a six-point favorite. And we're going to talk about it after the Garland-Gillen segment. I'm going to get into the wild and wacky weekend in the NFL because there are fans around this country of their NFL teams that feel way worse than we feel right now. How would you like to be a fan of the Cowboys? Not only were they 6-1 and one going into the game, but they were 7-0 and oh against the spread. They took the Bucks to the brink in their home stadium on opening night and played well. And the Dallas Cowboys were getting all this love. Maybe they're the best team in the NFC. Maybe the Rams are the best team in the NFC. They got blown up by a Tennessee team that was playing their first game without Derrick Henry. And playing with Adrian Peterson, who's about as old as, I mean, is he? people say old as dirt, but I mean, I could probably go find some dirt in the backyard that's not as old as Adrian Peterson. And you got to give it to the dude. It looks like he's obviously been staying in shape. Regardless, the Tennessee Titans basically blast the walls off the Rams last night. And then the Buffalo Bills losing to Jacksonville. You saw that coming? You're a liar. We'll talk about that after Garland Gillen because I want to get back to the Saints. And um, just it's just it's it's mind boggling, really. Go through some of the stats here. I got a stat for you, and again, this is another stat that I'm gonna expound on with Garland Gillen because it's worth mentioning twice. But how about this? The Saints give up 34 yards rushing yesterday. Now, they typically don't give up a lot of rushing yards when they play the Falcons because let's face it. I I mean, who's the last running back that the Falcons had that was worth anything? You know, the uh, the guy that did the Dirty Bird? What's his name? And they had Jamal Anderson, right? I mean, now we're going way back. 
But so typically the Falcons don't run the football very well against New Orleans. No, Devontae Freeman wasn't any good. He was just okay. The Saint, but the Falcons rushed for 34 yards yesterday. When's the last time the Saints lost when they gave up as few as, few, as, few as 34 yards rushing or less? I'm not going to make you look it up because I looked it up. It took a while. I mean, it really did. It took a while. I'm like, well, I was first. I was like, have they done this in the Sean Payton era? And the answer was no. And then I had to, I'm like, well, I got to keep going now, right? The last time the Saints gave up that few, that few amount of yards and lost a football game was they lost 13 to 12 to the New York Giants on November the 27th, 1988. 1988, 33 years ago. It had been 33 years, and I didn't go further than that, so I don't know if it happened at any other time. Because the Saints were so bad defensively before that, I doubt that they had many games that they only gave up 34 yards rushing. So I'm gonna, I'll go look it up, and we'll get back to you on Wednesday. But I'm willing to bet that's the only other time. 33 years it's been since they gave up 34 yards rushing and lost a football game. So you have to say it's a mixed bag for Dennis Allen, right? There have been, it's still coaches lap, coach laps, whatever you want to call it. I love this coaching staff. I think they're outstanding. But sometimes I just scratch my head. I scratched my head yesterday. I'm not blaming anything on Trevor Simeon, okay? I think he played almost as well as he could play. And if you look at his numbers... He was 25 of 41 for 249 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions but the one fumble, which is what I'm getting to in a second. So Taysom Hill's not ready, right? Supposedly. But yet, you think he's ready to, I mean, why did they take him off of IR if he was only going to play what? I mean, what did he touch the ball like six times? Didn't get that at all. But here, here's, the, here's the point I'm going to make with Taysom Hill. So you're, you're getting your keisters kicked, and you need a spark. So you bring in Taysom Hill. And I believe it was, what, uh, let's see, 24. It was 17 to 6 at the time when they brought him in. Boom. Nice long pass with zip. Boom. Nice long pass with zip. You take him out. Why? Simeon comes back in, very next play, blasted, fumble. Falcons score a touchdown, it's 24-6. Why? Why did you take Taysom out there? Why did you put him in? I mean, it's first down, so it's not like they do with these plays when it's second and two and he's probably going to run the ball. I mean, no surprise that he passed there. And it, both passes were perfect and right on the money and going down the field. Why'd you take him out? I'm not saying they shouldn't have put Simeon back in. And I'm not saying anything at all. Sean Payton is, knows more about his little pinky knows more about football than I'll ever know. But I, I don't understand that. And I mean, we all know 
I mean, it, unless he's just stubborn. We all know that Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback of this team going forward. You're not, you're not going to the playoffs to start with Simeon as your quarterback. You, you're not, period. They're not good enough to do that. But then you get in a situation where you have to go for two twice. I'm not 100% sure I agree with going for two the first time, and it would have changed the course of the game had they not. But that's, that's neither here nor there. There were about eight minutes left. They scored a touchdown. Uh, you're down 24 to 12 now. You're trying to make it 24 to 14. Fine. It, it's fine. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it, or was it after the – they kicked the extra point the first time, so it was the trying to make it 24-21. So I get it. You know, but, but whatever. I mean, that's probably the right call to go for two. But, but that's, that's not the point. The point is you go for two. What do you do on two-point plays? You give it to your best player, right? You find a way to get it to your best player. Neither two-point conversion tried did they get it to their best player. Instead, they left it in the hands of Trevor Simeon. What happened? And I mean, the first time you don't get it, you think you can go back. I mean, the first time they didn't get it, they had just run straight up the middle with Kamara and got in fairly easily from the same spot. I mean, I'm going to try it again, right? I mean, why, why are we getting cute? And if I have any problems with Sean Payton at all, it's he gets cute sometimes at the most inopportune times. Because he thinks, well, he doesn't think. He knows he's the smartest man in the room. And he is. He is the smartest man in the room when it comes to football. And I'm talking about a room of 72,000. The problem is sometimes he outsmarts himself. And Dennis Allen, I mean, I love Dennis Allen. I mean, he's turned this defense back into a real defense. Remember how bad it used to be when he first came on and he was kind of an assistant with with Rob Ryan and we didn't know how that was going to work out and it didn't work out and Rob Ryan was gone. And the Saints had not only the 32nd-ranked defense, but maybe one of the worst defenses in the history of the NFL. And he changed that. But yesterday, you got two guys to guard. Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. And Zacchaeus got his two touchdowns, and it didn't make one bit of difference. Because if you put, if you double team Cordero Patterson, especially when you know they're going to take a deep shot at some point, you you might not have known it was going to happen on the first play. You might think that they're going to try to get a couple yards underneath first. But you have to be ready for it. And if they're going to go deep, who are they going to go deep with? Cordero Patterson. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. So some frustrating things yesterday. And I, and I, think, I think it's frustrating not just because they lost. It's frustrating because you keep hoping that you keep getting glimmers of hope that this can be a team that can be something. We, I said before the season, if Jameis Winston was anything – this team wasn't that much different. Drew Brees was, <clears throat> excuse me, an average quarterback at the end of his career. You can yell at your phone and your iPad and whatever else you're listening to this this i this podcast on. You can yell at me all you want. You can call me whatever name you want. 
Don't talk about the God like that. Drew Brees should have been gone two, three years ago. So my thinking coming into the season was this team was at least as good as the last couple years' teams if Jameis Winston played at least average. And it's a shame because I think he was about to be better than average. So now you have a guy who was battling with, with him for the starting job, Taysom Hill, you have to start him. And he's going to start. I mean, I, I don't need Sean Payton to come out and let us all be in suspense. Let's, let's let Tennessee figure out who's going to play next week. Duh. Taysom Hill starting. You can come back and play this podcast in my face later in the week if I'm wrong. Taysom Hill is starting. And deserves to. And if you watched the Tennessee game last night against the Rams and saw much pressure they put on Matt Stafford, you know you need Taysom Hill to start because you need a quarterback that can move around a little bit. It's a good football team. You're talking about a Titans team that lost Derrick Henry. They've now beaten the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Rams. Oh, and they also lost to the Jets, so they can be beat. But that'll be an interesting game. Um, look, it's it's we got the Blues, but we don't. I, I mean, it's it's we're midway through the season, and we still don't know what this team is. We know they have the potential to be the best defense in the league, and they obviously have the potential to be a very average, mediocre defense. So, what are you going to get the rest of the way? Your guess is as good as mine. I said earlier that I think that they're easy to figure out when it comes to betting on them. Uh, and for those of you that bet, I mean, I know there's some people, and I get it, there's some people that can't bet against the Saints. I'm not one of them. If I think the Saints aren't going to cover, I'm fine with it. And then I hope I'm wrong. Like I said before, it makes for a much easier week of podcast and work and everything else when the Saints win. So as much as the fan in me, look, I've been I'm a New Orleanian through and through. Grew up on the West Bank. Then I lived in Metairie for 10 years, and now I've been on the North Shore for 10 years. Hey, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I don't want the Saints to win. I pull form as hard as anybody. When I'm watching in my, my den and I'm watching the other, you know, the Red Zone channel on the other TV, I'm pulling for the Saints as hard as anybody. I'm screaming at my TV like you are. I'm a fan when I'm watching. Sunday's my only day off. And I'm a fan when I watch them. I'm not going to lie. So, but I'll, I'll, I can bet against them if I think they're going to lose. And then I hope I lose my bet. I really do. But they've been pretty easy to figure out so far because you can kind of tell where Sean Payton's going to be able to <clears throat> figure out certain things and where they match up, who they match up well against. what I mean, there is much of a, what part of the schedule are they in, how much energy have they expended, um, how much time have they had to prepare for so-and-so as anyone. I mean, really. I mean, I talked to you about it before the Seattle game. I was worried about Seattle because I know that they were getting ready for Tampa Bay. They found a way to beat Seattle. I felt great about Tampa Bay because I know how much time they had put into preparing for Tampa Bay. And the problem is when you spend 
basically three weeks getting ready for Tampa Bay, and then you you expend every ounce of emotion and preparation and whatever. And I get that Atlanta is a team you know better than anybody. Matt Ryan, his 26th start yesterday against the New Orleans Saints. So Sean Payton knows Matt Ryan better than he knows probably Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, or Trevor Simeon. So even on a down week, you expect the Saints to find a way. But there's just something about the Falcons coming into the Dome. It doesn't always work the way it's supposed to work. But it also has something to do with they probably had a day off. They come in, and in all reality, the team probably spent four days prepping for Atlanta. Maybe three. And it showed. How did it show? Shut out in the first half. How do you get shut out in the first half by Atlanta? You score three points in the third quarter. It's 17 to three at the end of the third quarter. And then you start figuring out. Maybe because you didn't prepare enough. That's the only excuse. You don't score three points through three quarters because you were prepared. Not Sean Payton, not with this offense. There aren't a lot of explanations. Let's get into it with Garland Gill on a Fox 8. Um, kind of a mixed bag. We didn't even touch on LSU, and we will, we will in the interview with, with Garland coming up here in just a minute. Um, and Garland covers LSU probably more than he covers the Saints. He actually he was telling me uh, before we went on the air, it was the first time, well, I think it's the second time this year he hasn't gone on the road, but he's gone on the road for much of the – Coach O era decided not to go because he thought it was going to be a blowout and was going to be horrified if LSU won and he wasn't there. But, uh, you know, kudos, hats off to LSU, hats off to Coach O for not quitting um, because that team, you know, Alabama play, probably came in thinking, oh, you talk about cruise control, the Saints were, thought they were going to come in and win without having to practice to beat the Falcons. That's what happened with Alabama this week. And even Satan can be uh, compromisable. I know that's not a word, but I don't care. When you don't prepare. And Alabama wasn't prepared. And they're overrated. And they're not winning a national championship. And they might not beat Auburn. And if they go to the SEC championship, they'll get the lids blown off of them by the Georgia Bulldogs. Because Kirby Smart's not going to be able to blow a tight lead this year because it's not going to be tight. That's a whole nother story. But let's hear what Garland Gillen has to say about the Saints, about LSU. And yes, we spent about two minutes talking about the Pelicans because that's about all they're worth. Garland Gillen joining the Datitude podcast. Um... Garland, uh, it's been an interesting weekend for you. Now, obviously, I know you spend probably more time on LSU than than you do the Saints, even though obviously you spend a lot of time with the Saints as well. But I want to dive into the Saints first and uh, the Monday morning blues that a lot of us have here in New Orleans. But, you know, to, to fight back as hard as they did and to take the lead, that last play over, that last play with to Cordero Patterson, just kind of a heartbreaker. Yeah, how does Paulson Adebo give up a 64-yard pass? Uh, you know it's common. 
Uh, I really thought the Saints had this. Uh, you know, everybody was already writing their headlines, making fun of the Falcons for another major loss there when they were up uh, double digits in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, they were going back to the Patriots-Falcons game. Everybody was ready to put them uh, in the grave. And then they fought back. I mean, Matt Ryan just had a heck of a performance in the contest. Um, I mean, the dome was rocking, and you thought it, the, the miracle was about to happen. And then Matt Ryan, I mean, Matt Ryan had a rushing touchdown in this game, too. Uh, Dennis Dallin, you know, getting a lot of praise this season, but his defense did not show up yesterday to have Matt Ryan throw passes of 64 yards, 49 yards, 39, and 34. That's a lot of big plays that Dennis Allen's defense gave up. You know, and it, it's, it's really, if you look at two of the three losses, I mean, one you can write off with – Carolina. I mean, they, the coaches were missing. It was a it was a mess. It was the week after going to Jacksonville, then going back to Texas and blah blah blah. But you can excuse that one. To me, this is one of those games that you just it, it's there's no excuse. I mean, why why is the defense in at least in one facet of the game? Because I'm gonna get to the Russian defense in a minute. But the passing defense just a no show, and as, as they were against the Giants in the latter stages of that game. Yeah, Jim, it just blows me away. You just brought up the Giants. I was going to throw this in there. How are the Saints one and two at home this season? And they beat the Giants. I mean, they've lost to the Chiefs and the Falcons in their, their one no victories sense. against the Super Bowl champs. Like, no it, it just shows you the insanity of the NFL. I mean, no one thought that the Cowboys would get smoked by the Broncos yesterday. No one thought that uh, the Bills were going to go into Jacksonville. And, uh, and, and get into a field goal fest. I just, every time I think I have a great read on the NFL and the New Orleans Saints, I, I literally take all my notepads and throw them out the freaking window. I don't, I just don't understand the Saints team. Uh, Jeff Duncan, uh, one of your colleagues and one of my colleagues also, I mean, just said, get the drama mean out. This is going to be a roller coaster season. I mean, they're playing the Titans this week who have the best record in the AFC. They're seven and two. They might win that game. I, it, yeah. it, I cannot get a read on this team. And you're right. One of the biggest things um, after the, the, the Patriots game, Malcolm Jenkins said, we're going to win playing good defensive football and the run game with Alan Kamara. That's how we're going to win this season. And it was working, uh, you know, and some of these games against the Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And then it all just went out the window uh, this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Um I just, you know, you have to just throw the records when they're playing. It blows me away now to think about it, that the Falcons were six-point underdogs in this contest. And uh, they just, you know, not only covered the spread, but they won outright. Um, you just don't know. I, it, yeah, I'm, I'm still just looking at all these numbers here uh, that, that this defense gave up that much uh, action to Matt Ryan. Well, interestingly enough, here's a stat for you, and you're free to use it if you want later on. but. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I looked at this number. It popped out at me, and the Saints allowed just 34 yards rushing. Um, so they completely shut down the rushing game, which is what they accomplished. And I guess they figured Matt Ryan would help them do the rest. But you want to know the last time the Saints lost when they allowed only 34 yards rushing? You got to go All way right, back. I'm ready. You got to go Play way back. I do not have this knowledge in front of me. I had to look it up, okay, because it, it jumped out of me. I'm like, that's worth looking up. The last time it happened was against the New York Giants on December the 27th, 1988. Okay, that's I wasn't the alive last, then. That's good. That's the last <laughs> time that they uh, – and they allowed – let's see. They allowed uh, 14 yards rushing in that game and lost 13 to 12. 
So, I mean, at least you can almost understand it in a low scoring game like that, the dome patrol and whatever. But when yeah. you allow 34 yards rushing in today's NFL and lose, I mean, I, this might be worth going into more historical delving, which I don't have the time at the moment, but I mean, I may, <laughs> I'm, I'd like to know when's the last time period that a, that a team lost when allowing 34 yards rushing. It doesn't happen very often. I can promise you that. Yeah. You know, in sports center last night, Scott Van Pelt, the Falcons, uh, made some history. Also, it was their second game in a row where they're up ten plus points in the fourth quarter, blew the lead, and came back and won the game. So, uh, I mean, the Falcons are uh, as much of a roller coaster as the New Orleans Saints are right now. Um, I mean, it, at least they're still one of the top seven seeds uh, in the playoffs, so they're in that picture. I, I think the I think NFC is weak. Uh, I don't know who's the best team right now because uh, the Rams and the and the and the Cowboys and the Packers and the problems are dealing with all the field, so it, it's still like a toss up. So I still think the Saints are are in a position to to make the playoffs, even though the next three games on their schedule are the Titans, at the Eagles, and the Bills and the Cowboys. So they got some tough games coming up, but you know they could win. The Bills don't scare me. Cowboys don't scare me. Eagles just lost at home to the Chargers. So, you know, you could still go two and two, three and one in the next four games. So everything's still in front of them. Uh, it's a horrible loss for them, but I, I still think that this is um, a playoff team. And at the beginning of the season, I had I predicted eight, nine, not making the playoffs. So, so for them to be five and three right now, you got to be happy for Saints fan. You just hate the result yesterday. Problem is you just don't know what, what Saints team is going to show up. I mean, it seems like what, if the better the team, the better they play. So maybe they're better off playing a Tennessee and a Dallas and, and whoever. I, to, to me, and look, I, I've said this a hundred times, Sean Payton is one of the top probably 10 coaches, top 10 or 15 coaches in the history of, of the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, I, I would go that far. But it seems to me that these coaching, they're lapses almost. And you look at, you go back to the Seattle game. They won, but they didn't play that well. And you know they were gearing up for Tampa. Now, you can't imagine that they're gearing up for Tennessee. So, really, to me, it has to be just an emotional hangover that extends into the coaching staff. And as great as I think a job Dennis Allen's done, the defense did not come prepared to play. And when you can't get prepared for Matt Ryan, there are problems. Yeah, they finally got to Matt Ryan in the fourth quarter when it was a little too late. I mean, they did get get back in the contest and actually take the lead. But, uh, I mean, you can't get down 24 to 6 in the final quarter. Yeah. I just – that's inexcusable against the team that was under 500. Um, yeah, you're right. They're underdogs this week. Uh, everybody – I think this plays better in the Sean Payton and his coaching demeanor and getting the guys fired up that they're now going to Nashville. They're playing a team that's the one seed in the AFC. They're underdogs there. You know, he can kind of – uh, you know, rally the troops a little. It's funny, Mike McCarthy, I, McCarthy was with the New Orleans Saints, so he definitely got some of this stuff from the Saints. But uh, McCarthy told his Cowboys players, yes, they don't eat the cheese. And they, you know, and look what happened to him against right. the Broncos. That's a big, big Sean Payton buzz. That was one of his mantras right when he got to New Orleans in the early days in 06, 07, was don't eat the cheese. So, you know, they, they all use the same motivational tactics, and sometimes it falls on deaf ears. I just can't believe it did against a team they hate so much in the Atlanta Falcons, who they've dominated over the years. And Matt Ryan, with, you know, it, all of a sudden is a nimble Matt Ryan, and 
that you know they're without Calvin Ridley and they still dominated on this uh, this defense. There, I know you're gonna you're gonna play a dud. We just went through the teams that lost yesterday in the NFL. You're gonna have a dud. They've had duds. I mean, inexcusable to lose the New York Giants, Carolina Panthers. Uh, you shouldn't lose to them either. No, McCaffrey what was with the team in that game, so they're a different team. But obviously, Sam Darnold's a different quarterback. Luckily now. Uh, for the Saints, they're going to be playing, by, I guess, like a Carolina Week 16. So the, the Darnold project might be over with by then. So, uh, you know. Oh, it'll you, be over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know. I mean, Darnold, Darnold's had, I think, eight picks in the last five games. So uh, he's definitely struggling. And, and um, you know, Lee Zirk and I were talking about this the other day, not just going up a, a Panther tangent for a second, but Joe Brady's, like, his star is starting to dim a little. Maybe it was more – and Zerk had a good point on this. Maybe it was more Steve Ensminger as a play caller, Brady the genius behind the scenes drawing up the plays, but Ensminger was calling the plays. Maybe Joe Brady is a genius coming up with the plays, but not actually play calling because his star has dimmed a little in Carolina. And Matt Rule's been questioning um, his OC these last few weeks. So that's something to keep a, keep a mind on later on there, that maybe Joe Brady isn't all, you know, he's got the money now, but he might not be the best play caller, but he's good with the X's and O's. Maybe Joe Brady had Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Jamar Chase, and a bunch of offensive linemen who were outstanding. I mean, maybe. I mean, you think about who we had. I'm, I, Garland, I think you might have been able to to, to coach that LSU. You got Rockets. Terrace Marshall still. You know, we had Terrace and Marshall. Terrace Marshall. I forgot about yeah. Terrace Marshall. Good but he's there with him in Carolina now. You know, he's got Robbie Thaddeus Moss. Yeah, but I will say, I mean, Sam Darnold and what? His backup's P.J. Walker. I, I think that. Carolina will probably be in the market for a quarterback this offseason. And and it's the worst year for quarterbacks there in the draft. I mean, it's it's horrible. It's not uh, good, the amount yeah. of and no. So Deshaun Watson and his off the field issues will be one of the main guys. Aaron Rodgers and his mess off the field issues. He's gonna be gone at the end of the year. I mean, I don't I don't care what happened this past week, Jim. Aaron Rodgers is still like it. I think top three landing spot is still the New Orleans Saints. They're going to make a move this offseason. The New Orleans Saints are to get a quarterback. And for all this stuff going on in Roger on the field, it doesn't matter, okay? Uh, on the field, it's all about winning. I mean, he did not commit um, a crime where he's going to go to prison for. So, uh, you know, people can move he past this. a crime at all. What's that? He didn't commit a crime at all. He's correct, a, he's, correct. He's a strange you know, yeah. bird. Yeah, I mean, they, I gather the Packers might get fined because he didn't wear a mask and like post game pressers inside the facility, whatever. But he's but gonna let him do it. Yeah, yeah, and so he's gonna be available at the end of the off season. Uh, I mean, at the end of the season, so that that's one of the guys. I mean, Jameis Winston's on a one year deal. Taysom Hill could be gone after this season. Trevor Simeon could be gone at this year. Ian Book might be the only quarterback left on this roster uh, when they they suit up for training camp in August, July, August. So, you know, this quarterback situation is going to be in flux in the future. If they don't make a change to Taysom Hill and you're Taysom Hill, you have to feel like you're being shunned a little bit. I mean, here's what I don't understand about yesterday, and we talk about coaching a little bit. And I'm not on the Taysom train, so don't don't take this. Uh, people who are listening out there saying whatever, blah, 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 or yeah, 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 go get them. Either way, I'm not on the Taysom train. I don't think – Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback in the NFL for long term anyway. But with that being said, 
you take them off our IR. Okay, you don't, you don't hardly use them at all, so I'm not sure why you took them off IR. But then you bring him in in a spot where the Saints had been kind of dormant offensively, and he goes boom, 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 okay, moves the Saints down the field. So you put Simeon back in, and what does he do on the first play that he comes back in? He gets nailed and fumbles the football. I don't understand at all why he decided to put Simeon back in. Now, I'm not taking anything. I don't want to be negative towards Trevor Simeon because I thought he played okay. And in that fourth quarter rally, he played well. But he obviously isn't an answer either. But the question is, Garland, when you put Taysom in and he goes boom, 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 and you take him out and something bad happens, I, did you get that whole sequence at all? No, I, I think he's riding with Trevor Simeon right now, and I think Champagne has faith in him. But I think that faith is, is where Taysom Hill is not 100%. He's finally getting back in the flow. It would make total sense for the Saints this week uh, that Sean Payton is coy about who's going to be the starting quarterback. So it makes the, the Tennessee Titans prepare for two quarterbacks. I think if Taysom is back to 100%, um, I think they should definitely amp up his snaps at quarterback uh, this coming week. You, you talk about Simeon, 25 of 41, 249, two touchdowns. The one that really kills me, Jim, is the five drop passes by Saints receivers. Right. They didn't really help him at all. And, and they have seven offensive penalties, uh, a ton of holds uh, on the offensive line. Uh, I mean, for a guy that hadn't started since 2019, give the guy a little help. Give him something, and you're dropping all these passes, and and uh, you're, you're holding penalties. But, right, getting back to the, the Taysom Hill thing, yeah, if somebody's cooking, leave him in for a little longer there. Don't, you know, you, you, you don't pull the guy, the chef out of the kitchen right in the middle of a meal. You know, he's cooking up something fantastic, you know, just because we need to get Simeon back in. But I gather that's the faith that Sean Payton has in. Uh, you know, he wants to – I mean, he did the same thing with Drew Brees and, and Taysom. Yeah. You know, Drew Drew would be in there and Taysom would come in for like maybe a snap and go back out. So maybe he's trying to do the same thing. But I got to believe uh, in the future that Taysom Hill starting Sunday at Tennessee in Nashville that that he should get more snaps there because this offense does – I mean, last year, what, they, they were 3-1 and one under Taysom Hill, okay? Um, I, I just, Trevor Simeon, the ball kind of floats a little. It doesn't, doesn't like rocket right to the right. receiver. Um, so he definitely has his shortcomings there, but I mean, you know, it, he was serviceable yesterday. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not knocking Simeon at all. I, I think he did a serviceable job. I think he did as well as he probably could do. Um, he waited, a, you know, he did have some drops. He didn't play that even though with the drops though, he didn't play that, that great Sean Payton obviously didn't trust him enough in the first half to, and, you know, then they abandoned the running game in the second half. I mean, I thought, and I get you're behind and, and whatever, but I just, I, I don't know. I, I I was a little frustrated, I guess, by you, if you decide that you're going to come in, and even when he did with Drew Brees, it would be like one pass. Taysom threw, what, 12, 14 passes in, in his career when Drew Brees was, was starting. I mean, it wasn't many. Um, mm. so if you throw out the games he started, so, but he comes in and throws too quick and I thought they, they had a lot of zip on him and look, you're going to need a guy like Taysom Hill. I think this week is if you watched the game last night with the Titans and the Rams, they put a ton of pressure on Stafford. You're going to need a quarterback to be able to get out of that pocket. Something that I don't think Simeon can do. No, you're right on that. When you, you the Titans brought a ton of heat. Made Mad Stafford make a ton of mistakes there. He threw that interception in the end zone that was really ill-advised. It led to a touchdown. Then he threw another pick six. Uh, I mean, who needs Derrick Henry? You got Adrian Peterson, the ageless right. one back out there. 
I mean, he. I mean, he's about as old as you and I. I mean, oh, <laughs> in football years, he's not as old as yeah, maybe in football years, but he, he might be as old as you, Garland, but he ain't as old as me. Man, I cannot believe Adrian Peterson is still out there because he's in a role where you take a hit every single time. I can understand why Tom Brady has been in the league as long as he has because he can kind of uh, get away from the pocket, kind of fall down when he's about to get hit. Adrian Peterson is smashing right through the line and getting hit nonstop. Um, I mean, obviously, Adrian Peterson has lost a step, but, uh, he, you know, he's a he's a good backup. And now that Derrick Henry is out, uh, I, I'm really excited to see how the Saints progress this week because, yeah, I think Taysom should get a ton more uh, snaps uh, on offense. Um, I mean, one of the concerns I would definitely be is that C.J. G.J. left in the second quarter yeah. uh, would look like with an injury. Uh, that's one of your probably only concerns. I mean, the offensive line is back fully healthy to have that many holding penalties. And Teron Armstead just except for Pete, but with, you're right. You're right. Though I I don't understand on social media the the, the amount of of ire toward uh, Andres Pete there. I just stay away from that. Um, you know, so most I don't even pay thing. attention to it. I don't <laughs> even pay attention to it. I mean, if you start reading social media, you'll go bonkers. I mean, I put my stuff up there, and I I'll read social media for about two minutes, and I'm like, okay, that's enough. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I've gotten better about it over the years there. I, I do I do uh, enjoy Jeff Duncan uh, getting into the, as I guess you could say, into the mud um, yeah. on Twitter with, with some of his replies. I'm getting, I'm getting, I've been around, uh, I guess Twitter was started in 09. So back in the earlier days, I used to definitely reply a lot more, but now I'm just like, whatever, you know, uh, I'm not going to change your mind. So, uh, no. but yeah, Andres Pete, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So for the five starters, Pete's out right now. Uh, that's a little concerning, but uh, yeah, Teron Armstead has been there for numerous years, and for him to, you know, he, he at least he he owned it after the game. I'm always in on people that'll say, hey, I messed up, you know. I don't, I hate people that pass blame on someone else. Just own it. He absolutely owned it after the game. He missed the block, and and Simeon got blown up, and it resulted in the touchdown and put him down 24 to six which you thought that was going to be over with until they go into the two minute offense. Maybe they should start on the two minute offense yeah, really. from the beginning. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the rack of 19 points at the end with, in the two minute offense there, I think we just figured out what they need to do uh, going forward uh, with, with Carmichael and Sean Payton running the show. Well, how about this on two point conversions, give it to your best player, which is number 41, which they did neither time. And um, you got to find a way to get, you know, you get either one of those two-point conversions, it's a completely different game. Uh, or if you just kick the extra point early and it's still eight minutes left in the first, uh, in the fourth quarter, you still, you know, you're going to get the ball back. I'm, I'm not a big fan of going for two unless you 100% need to. Um, you could make a case that you really needed to there. Um, so I'm not, it's not that big of a deal. But, uh, you know, if you're going to go for two, do the you know you scored with Kamara on that the play where they go for two the first time Kamara scored on a run right up the middle obviously the Saints line was blowing the Falcons away I thought every time they tried to run the ball so I didn't understand the play call on either one of those conversions but look coaches have bad days too I guess no I mean that's just Sean Payton's nature to go for two and maybe the kicker also is a rookie uh you know he's been put in a little pressure situations obviously when Seattle uh, he hit the winner, so um, he he definitely uh, you know I guess that with with a rookie kicker you, you kind of want to 
not take the uh, the training wheels off him yet, uh, he, you know, especially with the game of nature. So I can see where he, he loves going. You know what? He, he probably thought he had the momentum, Jim, you know, and he had some good plays dialed up and they just didn't work. But, you know, I, that's why I, I like Peyton. He just kind of he rolls the dice more than most people do. That, that's why I, uh, I know we're talking about in a little while. That's why I enjoyed the LSU game so much because they went forward seven times on fourth down. Yes. I was like, this is awesome. So the, the same race I liked LSU on Saturday. I, that's why I enjoy watching the Saints on Sunday is that they they definitely go for it. I hate I hate punting. I, I think punting is just like especially like when you're on their when you're when you're on their side of the field. I just just go for it unless it's over five yards. Garland Gillen of Fox Eight here on the Datitude Podcast, Mister Nice Guy. He's not gonna look. If you want Garland to say. If Garland ever says something bad about somebody, that means somebody did something bad. I mean, it was like really. Oh, bad. I oh, I got a I got a list of people that I don't like right now, but <laughs> I, I do I, I do a really good job of keeping it in, in my in my own space there, or I keep it between the guys that I work with there. Oh no, I got a list of people that I dislike greatly there. You know? <laughs> though, though if you watch if you watch overtime, you can tell that I'm not the biggest fan of David Griffin. I have. I have a uh, question, uh, not only his choices uh, of personnel and players, but uh, the way he handles a press conference there, especially the whole Zion blow up. He's so, definitely yeah, not a friend I, of the media. No, he's just, he, he's just, I, I mean, they're one and nine right now. I, I think this is going to be into the line for him. So that's actually one person that I have gone on record numerous times on overtime, which airs uh, Tuesday nights at 1035. I've gone on the record is saying David Griffin was a bad hire He's not, he's not long for this uh, New Orleans world. Uh, I, I'm amazed that he's still like, you know, is it, still there. I thought they had got rid of him and just Trajan Langdon. So uh, there's your Pelicans part right in the middle yeah, of the Saints LSU talk. Which is all good because we were going to uh, like, and when I say briefly touch on the Pelicans, I mean, I don't want to spend <laughs> there it is. more than. I hope you than, marked it on there. <laughs> I, it'll be marked and I'll put it on the bet.noah.com site and, and wait exactly what time we talked about the Pelicans. <laughs> And let it be known that we've talked about them for less than 60 seconds because that's all they deserve. We did it. We, we did and, it, David Griffin and the Pelicans. And I got to say, before we stop talking about the Pelicans, I love Willie Green, and I, and I like the energy that he's bringing to this team. And this, not, not one iota of this is his fault. It's the position that he was put in, and it's a shame that a young coach who deserves to get a chance like this is put in this kind of position for his first coaching gig. And I hope this doesn't reflect on him too poorly going forward because the Pelicans to me are looking like, and I don't care. Zion's not coming back anytime soon. Nope. Um, and, and BI is going to be banged up off and on here and there. And I don't blame them for not playing a bunch. And this team is like, I said, one of the locks of the year was the under 38 for the Pelicans win total. Not oh, only wow. is it a lock of the year, I wish I would have put like two mortgage payments on it. <laughs> And I don't think this team, I got to be honest, I don't think they're going to win 20 games this year. I really don't think they're going to win 20 games. So there I said it. Well, we'll, and, we'll and there it you go. You, you can, David Griffin will be on at the end of the year or before then. Before then. If you, what's that? He might be gone before then. I hope yeah, he enjoys yeah, his. Right, yeah, or before then. And then if, you, if you're right, if they do only win 20, then they're setting themselves up for a top five pick again next year. And you know what? Maybe you just hold. I mean, I know ticket. If you're holding a season ticket right now and you're listening to you and I talk, you're like in horror right now that I didn't right. even suggest this. 
But you know what? Don't don't the season. I hate to say this. I think Scott Kushner wrote an old icon that the season. You know, the playoffs are are fading already, and we're only ten games, or, you know, or so into the season. Um, yeah, if it gets really bad, you know, don't. I mean, they're you know what? They're not even rushing Zion back right now. You can tell they're not. Okay, he's not back to one hundred percent. But yeah, at least in the future, you, you're going to be fine there because you might get another top five pick, and Trajan Langan might be running the show this time next year. A hundred percent. I mean, I think there's an excellent chance that they're they're going to be uh, a lottery picking. Um, so yeah, you're right. You might be holding on a, a golden ticket if you got a if you got one of those season tickets that you know you write it in the tenth, twelfth row, and they come and bring the beer to you. I mean, you and I don't have that kind of money, but if you if you if you do out there and you're listening to Datitude, hold on to that ticket. Don't give it up. Keep keep it. It might be really good next year. Um, so is, it, is that going to be their big advertising slogan? Get ready for 22-23, Pelicans fans. Oh, just can't wait. I'm look, sure they're going to sell a ton of tickets for that. They can't see us, but I'm wearing – look, I'm, I'm nice and casual on Mondays when I do my, my interviews, and I'm wearing my Cub sweatshirt. So do you know how many wait till next year's I had to say <laughs> as a Cub fan before 2016 came rolling? I mean, my entire – I mean, I was – let's see – I was 48 years old when the Cubs finally won the World Series growing up, mm-hmm. loving them and watching them. So, look, if you got to wait for the Pelicans, you got to wait a little bit. I mean, it's I think eventually they're going to be a decent team, especially if they go in and get a really good pick, maybe one free agent type. Who knows? They got the right coach in place, get the right GM. It can happen here sooner than later, but it's not happening this year. So. Well, and Jim, it's all about winning the championship. And if you fall short of that, I mean, everybody's going for the same goal. Well, they're, they're not better than the, the Warriors are red hot right now. And they're not beating the Lakers. They're not beating the Bucks. So they're, they're not going to win it all. Okay. They're not beating the Kings. Hard. How are they going to beat those teams? Right, right, right. Yeah, they can't beat it. I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, they're losing. You lose by 40 to the Warriors when, uh, when it was like a fairly close game at halftime. And for the two games in a row, you – absolutely fall apart in the second half. I mean, one game you fall apart in the third quarter. The game before that, they they scored 12 points in the fourth quarter against the Suns. That is absolutely embarrassing. I mean, it's like, I don't even know how to watch it. I mean, and I'm a diehard. Look, I stayed in the Dome, uh, you know, 44 to 10 against the Vikings. I think me and like three <laughs> drunk dudes who hadn't woke up yet in the terrace were the only ones left at the end of that one, and I stayed to the end. So, I mean... But I can't even watch these guys. Uh, it's it's hard to watch. Yeah, if you're a better, that's Suns game on Tuesday night. Like if you put if you bet the Pelicans, you might have won an absolutely puke. You're up 20 points in the second yeah. quarter. The spread's 10 and a half. You're like, oh, I'm gold, baby. I'm gold. I got it Not at 12. With that, yeah, I got it, it at 12. Yeah. It was a push. Oh, oh, look at look at you. Well, then you got you got the push. Then okay, so you're 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 doing better. I yeah, waited to the very end when everybody was betting on the Suns. Oh, like, move. Well, thank goodness for you. Well, the smart, the less smarter betters than you <laughs> thought they were in a in a great spot there when they're up twenty, and they not only blew the lead, as you said, they only scored twelve points in the fourth quarter, but the Suns won by twelve. I mean, you just got to take if you you didn't have that twelve, you just take that ticket, and just like rip it and like scream. Oh, at you're the pretty exact ticked same. off. Yeah. If you're betting the Pelicans though, for the Pelicans, not against them. 
you know, you, you need, you might need to like, you know, check yourself a little yeah, bit, you know, exactly. I mean, it's You're pretty bad. With your heart now with your head. Sometimes well, the, the problem is they, I think they had covered, they had covered like three times in a row before that mm-hmm. one. Uh, so, okay. All right. or, or they had covered three out of four or something like that. So uh, th- they actually weren't that bad of a bet if you were betting with the spread. And like okay. you said, okay, I'm with it. And like you said, though, if you if you had the, the the Pelicans even into the fourth quarter, I think they led by six going into the fourth quarter. So I mean, I watched the entire game. Yeah. So if if you just got to make sure you don't lose by eighteen in the fourth quarter, whoops. <laughs> I mean, it's it's brutal. But we spent enough time talking about the, the Pelicans. I want to talk about LSU before we let you go. And um, obviously, you 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 cover LSU very well. You're in Baton Rouge a ton. You usually go on the road. Uh, you didn't this week, but I mean, I don't, I, I think no one would have thought what happened happened. Um, that they made a game out of it and were in it until actually the last play had a chance. I mean, look, I took LSU with the spread 28 and a half is too much. I thought they would come out and fight. I said it. I, I thought they would play as well as they could play. But I thought as well as LSU could play against Alabama means you lose by two or three touchdowns. No, I, I was in total shock watching that game. For Alabama to be averaging 45.9 points per game and to get held to 20 with LSU down nine players that at least started one game for the Tigers this year, that is insane, Jim, that they that not only they held them that little amount of points, and they changed their entire defense. They ran a 4-3 defense for the first time all season. They blitzed half of the plays. I, where was all this ingenuity and all this, you know, all these moves earlier in the season when they could have, you know, in, in week one when I was in Pasadena against Dorian Thompson Robinson, dude, he was dicing up the LSU Tigers. Maybe this they should have done this from the start. It took them long enough. Now all these guys are out of jobs. I mean, I would probably venture to guess maybe only Corey Raymond, uh, maybe a Brad Davis, maybe a Greg Mann are back. But for the most part, most of these guys are going to be out at the end of the season. Um, yeah, where was all this, uh, you know, this think tank uh, in the offseason to figure this out? But, hey, it, it, it was exciting. I mean, put the fear, you know what, into Nick Saban. Imagine Nick Saban getting not only losing to his former school, but getting knocked out of the playoff at the same time, considering that he was uh, going to that game. He was 11-4 uh, and four against LSU. Um, it, it, was, it was a fun night. Though there was not a lot of LSU fans uh, that had any faith, dude, the stands for LSU it was, looked like they only had like 300 fans. It was insane. It was insane to see the, how few LSU fans that were there. Although I will say that you could hear, um, you could hear the Go Tigers chant towards the end there because I think the Alabama fans were so stunned and just didn't expect to to be in this position that. They just didn't know how to react. And I would imagine even walking out of the stadium, you didn't have Crimson Tide fans talking a lot. No, it, 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 they cannot be happy about that victory. Alabama is going to run into some trouble in the SEC championship game uh, against Georgia. And even though I watched that entire Auburn A&M game and Auburn looked like trash on offense and they lost the game 20 to three, that game is on the plains when Alabama has a go to Auburn. So Alabama could definitely lose that one too. I'm not impressed with this Alabama team. You know, I'm an associated press voter. Jim, it is hard 
hard from like six to 25 to find like legitimate teams. I mean, yeah, I even know. the top five, even the top five is unimpressive. It's Georgia and everyone else right now. Okay. Uh, Georgia is dominant on defense, got five stars all over the field. Even though on offense, they can run the ball. They have an unimpressive quarterback room, JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett, but there, there's not a lot of good team in college football right now. And Alabama went on the road and lost at A&M. A&M all of a sudden starting to get hot. But it, it, it's hard to find good teams in, in college football this year, except for Georgia. It's Georgia and everyone else is just kind of bottom feeding after that. I, this might be the worst year of college football in, in at least the past decade or so. It's bad. I mean, and you talk about not a good year for quarterbacks. I, this is not going to be a good draft at all. I mean, if you can, we've had some really excellent drafts, I think, in class. I'm not just talking about quarterback or offense or any position whatsoever. I'm just talking about overall, the, the classes that come out. To me, this is one of the more lackluster classes in drafts. So you, you don't, you don't want to be in the bottom. You don't want to be drafting towards the top this year because I don't think you're getting your money's worth. No, it, it, it is bad. Uh, I mean, we were warned this offseason this was going to be the worst college uh, quarterback draft ever. And right now, I mean, Malik Willis is still yeah. in the running there at Liberty. Uh, I mean, they were the, talk, uh, they're talking about this kid is a first-round draft pick. I watched that game. I mean, first yeah. of all, I'm not that impressed with Matt Corral. I mean, I'm really not. I mean, he, he's okay. I mean, don't get me wrong, but is he an NFL quarterback? I don't think so. But you talk about the, the other kid from Liberty. I mean, I'm watching. I'm like, I don't get this at all. They're talking about this kid being a first-round draft pick. I mean, he's going up against Ole Miss's defense, and he puts up 14 points. I yeah. mean, it, that's not very impressive. And I get it's Liberty, yeah. so you don't, he doesn't have as much talent around him as Matt Corral has at Ole Miss. But still, I just didn't, I didn't see it. I don't know. Maybe uh, that's yeah, why I'm not and, in and Carson, Carson Strong from Nevada is one of the yeah. big-time names also. I'm like, dude, when you're, we're talking about a guy in Reno being possibly one of the top picks there. And then the quarterback at UVA, I listened to a podcast, Trent Dilfer just like when, like talk glowingly about the quarterback at, uh, at UVA. So it's, it, it, it is lean this year. So that's why when I talked about the Saints, uh, in the quarterback situation, they can't draft a quarterback. Okay, uh, Ian Book. Ian Book is better than any quarterback right now in college 100%. football. So you just ride with Ian Book as your backup. But you're going to have to uh, definitely play uh, the game of free agency this offseason because I don't think I didn't I didn't see it from Jameis Winston in, in the in the small sample size we had uh, with him as a quarterback. I don't see in Trevor Simeon. I don't see in Taysom Hill. So you're not going to get a drafted quarterback there. So you're definitely going to have to like give a King's ransom this off season, maybe to get with, with uh, an Aaron Rodgers, something like that. I've been watching you guys, you and Sean are pretty hard on uh, Jameis Winston. Um, <laughs> you know, and now he got hurt. So y'all haven't been talking about him as much the past week or so, but uh, you know, I, I gotta say, look, I, I was the guy who in the beginning of the season who said, this guy is not a starter, but you know what? I thought across the course of the season, he improved pretty much every game. Um, and the sad part about it is I think he had finally got to the point where he was doing pretty well. I thought, I, and not only pretty well, I mean, I thought he was good enough to be a quarterback that could lead. I don't put it this way. I don't think the saints lose yesterday. If Jameis Winston is the quarterback. Yeah, no, he's the best option out of all the quarterbacks they have on the roster. I mean, he beat out Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon in, in, uh, in training camp. So it, he's he's the right guy in that situation. He's the best option they had. 
this question. I mean, he still made some really uh, tough decisions or, uh, or ill-advised decisions. I mean, the touchdown pass he threw at New England where he was so excited oh, he threw yeah. a touchdown and shot – Sean Payton's looking at him on the sideline and like if he if there's like a laser right through right. Jameis Winston, you know? He was still making those I just I could see in the future him still making some of those crazy mistakes. But you you're right. He was cleaning him up. No, no. I mean, yeah, I was hard on him because I just didn't I just I don't I still to to the point before he got injured, I don't think Sean Payton trusted him. I don't think he was gonna trust him maybe until the back end of the season there, because I think he was just a wild card. He was making uh, passes still, even though Sean told him to, to focus on just making a quick read and getting the ball out. He's holding the ball too long. He's getting popped. He's fumbling the ball. He's throwing it in, in traffic. Uh, he's he's on his back foot, and he's getting sacked, and he's throwing the ball up in the air. So I just – I didn't like that he, he wasn't that buttoned up as a starting quarterback to the Saints. At the Seattle game, I, listening to you guys, I would thought they lost. I mean, <laughs> you guys yeah, we're not like, easy to please sometimes. You know? I'd say that. I mean, at least Juan was pretty, you know, Juan Kincaid was pretty, pretty stable and, you know, letting you guys hey, do your talking. Hey, you want to talk about somebody that, done, that doesn't trash people. Juan Kincaid is that guy, okay? Sean, Sean and I can be a little more uh, negative sometimes. You're talking about I never say anything bad about anyone. Juan Kincaid it, it definitely toes the line of kind of just keeping everything even keel and, He's a good – we call Walken K the referee. He kind of keeps it down in the middle and tries to he keep does. everybody on their sides. He's great. Um, and, I, and I, you know, you guys are a really good team. And uh, talk about – in fact, before I – talk about your podcast a little bit because uh, you guys are like 250 episodes in or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk yeah, about so, the podcast. Yeah, so John Bennett, uh, who's no longer our producer, he now works in sales at Fox 8. That was his brainchild. I miss my Friday night phone calls from John Bennett. Yeah, yeah, you, yes. You, Vasilius is our new producer there. Uh, you did a great set on Fox State Football Friday. I, I watched the uh, the whole thing. It was good stuff, giving us good information on the uh, Salmon uh, loss, the Lakeshore and Ponchatoula, the, the the Green Wave. You know, doing very well. I was gonna get a little prep football in there. Yeah, but, yeah um, that's good. No, no. Yeah, so no, uh, our our podcast overtime and um, you know, uh, on me on the final play app, you know, so uh, it's it, it's a good stuff. We now have it on YouTube. We now made it an OTT. Uh, Chris Hagen is kind of taking the reins on this. So um, I mean, we're Jim. We are busy at Fox Eight. Okay, yes, we have are. three and a half hours of programming per week. I mean, Monday it's a black and gold review with Deuce and Sean and Juan. On Tuesday, the four of us are on overtime at thirty five recapping what happened the past weekend. You got game plan on Wednesday night with Jeff Duncan and Sean and Juan and Chris Hagen does some fantasy football. I do the bet of the week Friday night. You got Fox eight football Friday on Sunday. You got 10 a.m. Tailgate. And then we wrap it up on final play. So you got three and a half hours of programming per week. We got podcasts. We got two apps. We got the final play app. We got the tiger huddle app. So uh, yeah, I think before we came on, you said you never take a day off during football season. I am the same way. I'm, I'm checking my phone nonstop. There's emails coming in. There's text messages. There's always something happening here during football season there. You know, some, some people like it where it's just kind of even keel and quiet and everything. Sometimes I deal good with the chaos around me. So, you know, yeah. I, I love this stuff. Well, you guys are the only, the only local station with, with four uh, sportscasters, uh, and all four of you, I think, do an outstanding job. And, uh, you know, that's why I, you know, I love my friend Doug Mouton, so I don't want him to feel like a redheaded stepchild. Um, and, I, and, I, and I love Fletch, and, and so I'm not saying anything bad about those guys because they do a great job. Nice disclaimer. Well, but, nice disclaimer. 
But uh, you guys, seriously, the the way you do it, and I love the podcast and, and all the different shows you have. You know, I just want to see one time, can y'all find a way to get Deuce excited? Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, once. You know what? Uh, he, he's got two-minute drill uh, today, and then he's got black and gold. You know what? He gets way more animated off camera. Uh, when he comes <laughs> in here, he sits in the office for like 30 minutes. And uh, he, I'll tell you one thing, he, he's a great asset for us on air, but off air, I mean, Sean Fazan does some really good film studies that you can watch uh, in game plan and tailgate. Deuce will, Deuce will sit next to Sean sometimes and help him like, you know, uh, delve through a few things and some looks. So uh, Deuce is a valuable asset, uh, not only in front of the camera, behind the camera. And then Jeff Duncan, you know, his commentary is tonight at 10 o'clock. He comes in. Uh, in a little while, and we're gonna. Uh, I help put that together. So uh, I love it. You, you talk about our four guys on air, and, and Chris Hagen, Sean Fazan, Wonky, Kate, and I. But uh, during football, we do McAllister and Jeff Duncan also. So we have a, a healthy uh, roster uh, of football uh, knowledge uh, in the fall, and it's it's been it's been really fun uh, to work here. I've been here nine years, and uh, it's been a treat. There's no question. You got a great team there. I usually ask three big questions to end to end a segment, but I'm just going to ask you one. Um, okay. The Garland Gillen of Fox Eight here on the Datitude Podcast. Your one big question is: You predicted the Saints to go eight and nine and miss oh, the playoffs before the season. Uh, how do you feel today? Is that still? Are you sticking by that, or are you going up a little bit? Because we know you can't go. I mean, no, no, no one in their right mind would say the Saints going to not going to win at least eight games at this point. I think. I think eight eight he, games the floor. You know what? Uh, what they're five and three right now. Tennessee, you're smart. You say that's a loss. Five and four. Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, you think after last year, that Jalen Hurts thing was a tough one last year. Six and four. Bills Cowboys. How about this? They split Bills Cowboys. So seven and five at New York. Should win that eight and five. At Tampa, eight and six. Dolphins. You should win that at home. Nine and six. Carolina. Ten. Oh wow. I just gave him a 10 and seven season all of a sudden here. Uh, that's, you know two, what? that's plus two, baby. Yeah. You know what? I, I yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what? I might be wrong here. Okay. I, I said eight, nine. Um, so uh, yeah, I might, you know what? I probably, there's maybe a loss here or there. So they might be go nine and eight or 10 and seven. Um, so yeah, I'll miss off there. I will say this. Uh, I think Fletcher Mackle picked him to go six and eleven. Oh, he was the floor. I was in the middle, and then some other people got way too optimistic. I think uh, some other people had him like eleven and six. While I was Doug like, McDonald had eleven and six, and I think yeah, yeah, had him, yeah. I think a ten and seven or eleven and six. I'm not sure. Yeah. So okay. So eight nine. So I might miss it by one. They might go either nine and eight or ten and seven. So it's not like a gross uh, under uh, underestimation. So um, no, I yeah. If I miss it by one. Um, and so be it there, you know, you, here's my you prediction. I mean, did you really know anything this year, Jim? I, no. I don't know anything right now with this league. The NFL's here's here's my prediction. Right now. They beat Tennessee, Buffalo and Dallas and lose to the jets and, uh, <laughs> the Falcons again. I mean, would you be surprised? You can't be at this point. They beat the Packers and the Bucks and lose to the giants, Falcons and Panthers. I mean, it makes yeah. zero sense. So who knows? I mean, but we'll have fun covering it the rest of the way. Won't we? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. Uh, I mean, you, you, even with – is LSU going to get bowl eligible? I mean, they got they three gotta, games left. They, you got – you got you, ULM's a win, okay? Right, so, so you got to beat Texas A&M Arkansas, Arkansas. A&M. And, and I A&M's don't think red it's hot right happen. now again. 
Yeah, I'll be in Tiger Stadium on Saturday, so that that'll be intriguing. One two lane season is just gone. Uh, I mean, it's been a rough one them going yeah. one and eight. So uh, that that season's almost over with. And uh, high school football starts this week for the playoffs. So okay, I'll, ask you, is, two, I'll ask you two questions: Who's going to win five A and Division One? Oh man, you're picking ones that I have to cover. So, dude, so now somebody's gonna roll up uh, on okay. me. Well, on I don't that. want you to tick anybody no, no, off. I, I tick people I'll, off. I'll pick you know it. You know what? You know what? You know what? I, I took some heat this week, this past week because I said Jesuit seven and zero and undefeated, and some brother Martin people were saying that's on a technicality, which is fine. But the LHSA website says they they were seven and zero going into their game against Rummel. Uh, but I will say this: Catholic can be beat. Woodlawn, Ricky Collins is one of the best quarterbacks in America, yep. I think, for 2023. By the way, Ricky Collins, mark this down now, he will probably be an LSU commit in 2023. They're not going to get Arch Manning, and they're not going to get uh, Eli Holstein. He's going A&M. I think Ricky Collins winds up in Baton Rouge as the quarterback in the 2023 class. So you can mark that down right now in the in the podcast. Mark it down. But, um, yeah, mark it down. But, uh, no, Catholic is right for an upset. I think Brother Martin – and they're going to probably play what I you play them earlier in the bracket. So I'm going to say brother Martin pulls an upset and beats Catholic high. And like, I don't know if it's in the title game, but I think brother Martin, I mean, do they even want to stay title since 1971, the crusaders sooner or later, it's going to happen. Not even the, uh, what was the fantastic quarter back in the late eighties that played seven positions for brother Martin. Is it Chad oh, LaRose? I, yeah, I forget. I mean, you're going way back. I think it was Chad LaRose who went to UCLA. In the late eighties, yeah. girl, and I was in college and I was uh, inebriated about 60% of the time. Oh boy. Oh boy. But okay, there you go. I'm not going to, I'm going to stay away from the class five, a one. I don't need Hank Tierney up in my business anytime soon. <laughs> Cause he will so. too. Uh, yeah, oh, he don't miss a thing, man. He doesn't miss a thing. I will uh, say this. No, I think if, if the if the if the brackets come out the way they're supposed to come out, uh, if you look at the power rankings that I'm looking at now, Brother Martin is going to be an 11 seed, which that means they play Rummel in the first round of the playoffs. Jeez, that that's just ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, they would be, I believe, on the that would put them playing Catholic in the semifinals, I believe. So. And it keeps them on the opposite it. side of the bracket of, of Jesuit. So you could have a Jesuit Brother Martin championship. That would be quite interesting. Wow. At Yulman Stadium, uh, in, in our crazy non-select select world where we have state championships at Yulman, Cajun Field, the Superdome. Uh, yeah, it's it, it it's a roller coaster with 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 how this thing goes. But that'll be fun. Yeah, I, I'm excited about Division One, and, you know, Arch Manning and them are going to have to go through LCA, Lafayette Christian Academy, in the semifinals as it all sets but up. it's not the same so, LCA uh, that it was. No, no, it isn't. But they'll still, they're still the favorites to win state. And the next year, LCA moves up to Division Two to play in, in, with St. Thomas Moores and the De La Salles of the world and the U-Highs of the world. So that'll be interesting next year. But, uh, yeah, I, I love this time of year. I mean, November is when it really starts to get heated up with these uh, playoffs there. And you can all see it Friday night on Fox Day Football Friday. Maybe we'll have the one and only Jim Derry again. You know, the BSN extraordinaire. Well, uh, I just hope I don't ruin the program and make the ratings tank. <laughs> I will, I'm going to make my prediction right now so you hear it. And if it happens, then we can talk about it on Fox 8 Friday. Um, I think Jesuit is going to win the state championship because no Whoa! one is, no one is, no one has given them a chance. And Ryan and Allie, I mean, he's had his chances in state championship games. 
This dude, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying one bad thing about Mark Bernice. I love Mark Bernice. He's done an outstanding job at Brother Martin. He's turned that program back into what they were in the old days. But I think Ryan Manali, a Jesuit, is going to change the face of Blue Jays football. And I am taking the, the, the Jesuit Blue Jays to win it all. And it has nothing to do with my good friend Scott Bain's father, who we, we sat next to each other in algebra class and uh, went to school Graduated in the class of 1985 at Archbishop High School it has nothing to do with that. So, oh wow, you're going on way back on me. I will say this uh, with Ryan Manali, you 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 will not understand the amount of people texting me after Ryan Manali got the job at Jesuit that he was going to fail. And Del Sal, when he took that job, had 20 kids on the on the varsity roster. He turned that thing upside down. Del yep. Sal is now a, 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 a top-level program in Division II. They've been state three of the last four years with Ryan Manali. He he can he can haul it, man. He can he can grab the good kids there. He can coach them up there. They have over a hundred kids on the eighth grade team, and uh, they play like twelve or thirteen games. And he mixed up where only the the starters got to play in one game, and the second and third string played another game. I mean, he's thinking kind of different outside the box with his eighth grade team. He, he, he's a rocket ship, Ryan Minnelli. I, I have a ton 100%. of faith in him and, and I think that he's, it, yeah, you're right. That team's going to be really good going forward there. I, Ryan Minnelli is one of the best coaches in Louisiana. Is it much, as it hurts to say it being a, a Shaw grad? I mean, he learned the rum away and he learned under, under one of the best, most, one of the most underrated coaches in the history of Louisiana high school football, Jay Roth and, when you grow up in that system and learn under a guy like that, um, you know, look at all the products from under Jay Roth. It, there's a long tree there. And Ryan Manali is certainly at the top of that tree. And I agree with you, Garland. I think he's going to be one of these guys that if heaven allows me to be here 30 years from now, he'll be talked about as one of the greats to coach on the sideline. We'll see. Man, right? we got a lot. We're making a lot of bold statements on this podcast here. That's, you thought it was just going to be LSU and Saints. I mean, we're going prep football. We're going Pelicans. We're, we're swinging and taking either a big miss, so we're hitting it out of the park today. That's why we call it Datitude, because if you don't have Datitude, <laughs> you can't be on the show. You know, we even let Duncan come on and, and, and cheer his. We only let him come on after wins, though, because he's rah, rah. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. Uh, but but Garland, thanks for coming on the show. We're going to talk to you again soon, and uh, we enjoy all the stuff you do at Fox 8. All uh, right, you got it, Jim. Garland Gillen. Been knowing Garland for a little bit now. We've worked together in the same um, high school world, uh, covering a lot of the same games over the past, oh, I don't know, eight or ten years. I really like, and, and I'm, I wasn't just blowing smoke. I really like what they do at Fox 8. I like all those guys. I think they do an outstanding job. And you know what? Honestly, I think our entire New Orleans area group of media guys are outstanding. And I'm talking about here at The Advocate and Times Picune um, and across the, the three major stations, uh, four major stations, sorry. I never even included Ed Daniels, but Ed Daniels is, Ed Daniels is the man. And uh, there are few people uh, more respected in our local sports community than Ed Daniels. I hope to have him on it sometime in the near future. But, uh, you know, look, it, uh, what else can we say about the Saints? It was just a rough weekend. Uh, you turn around, you get ready for Tennessee. One thing this good this team is good at is, is resiliency. And um, 
I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to pick yet this week. I need to look at some things and matchups, but uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't feel bad about them. I, I mean, I don't. I said I've said all year long. This is not a division winning team. I said what they had to do if they were going to win the division again. There were certain things they had to do, and they've done most of them. But now you find yourself in a hole and. You've got three losses, and we've already said the floor for the Bucks is probably four losses. So if you're going to win the division, you're now in a position to where you have to win. You have to go eight and one the rest of the way. I mean, be realistic. You got to go eight and one the rest of the way. And not only do you have to go eight and one, that one can't be Tampa Bay. So there you go. You think the Saints can do it? Sure, it's mathematically possible, but it's not likely. I mean, at very best, if you think Tampa Bay is going to lose two more, I'm sorry, three more, and give them five losses, and one of them's to the Saints, then you still got to go seven and two, and you still got to play Tennessee, Buffalo, like we said, Tampa Bay, Dallas. So you think the Saints are going to go eight and one or seven and two with that stretch? Possible. But I do want to talk about it before we sign off for the day because that's enough harping on the Saints. I mean, you get it. You watched the game yesterday. You probably feel a lot of the way that I do. You're frustrated. But I do want to talk about, I mean, the bright side is this. I mean, can you imagine being a Bills fan this morning? I mean, yeah, your team's probably still the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. But you lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who probably, I mean, for some unknown reason, gave a rat's patoot yesterday. Not only did the Jags win, but... I mean, the odds were, I think, 18-1 to 1 before the game. Something, something silly. I forget what the money line was. It was something insane. But what kind of odds could you have gotten if you would have said the Jaguars were going to score nine points and win? What kind of odds would you get if you said there were no touchdowns scored in that game? You could have made some serious money. I don't get that at all, but it also shows the vulnerability of the Bills. Um, they're clearly not as good as, again, they may go on and win the rest of their games win the Super Bowl. I doubt it. But they might. Um, but Josh Allen, I mean, he couldn't get out of his own shadow. And it had a lot to do with the fact that his O-line wasn't great. He got sacked, um, I don't know, I think it was five times. And he was bad yesterday. But the Bills, the reason why I, I think they're going to have a trouble winning the Super Bowl is they don't really have a running game except for Josh Allen. It's the same reason why I don't think the Ravens are going to win a Super Bowl. And the Ravens are overrated anyway. That's a whole other story. But when your quarterback is your best rusher, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to... You know, the Chiefs did it a couple years ago with Mahomes. Um, but that's a rare instance. Mahomes is like head and shoulders above any of these other people. Uh, so that's going to be Buffalo's downfall. 
Uh, I just don't. I, I, I think they're gonna have, they're gonna struggle. I think in the, in Tennessee, to me right now, it's a better football team, even without Derrick Henry, who may be back by the time the playoffs start. Very well could be back. That'll be an interesting situation. What about the Dallas Cowboys? Dallas Cowboys, Denver Broncos. This one's going to be easy, right? Yeah, it was easy for Teddy. I mean, goodness gracious. Dak took a week off when they when it looked like he could have played against Minnesota. They beat Minnesota on the road without Dak. And then they come home and lay an egg to a Denver team that I know is 5 and 4, but four of their wins were against really bad teams. In fact, their first three wins they started off 3 and 0. After week three, they were 3-0 with wins against teams that had gone in a combined 0-9. So no real impressive wins. Yesterday, it was an impressive win, and not just because they beat a, the, a Cowboys team that some people think are the, is the best team in the NFC. I don't. But they didn't just beat them. They knocked the snot out of them. It wasn't close. Tennessee, beating the heck out of the Rams. Did you see that coming? I mean, I thought they'd play well. I thought they'd have a chance to win. I thought they'd cover the seven and a half. I didn't think they'd just make Matt Stafford look like a fool. No, I didn't see it coming. Um... I was really surprised with the efforts of the Panthers and the 49ers. The Panthers get McCaffrey back. I don't think the Patriots are that great. They're they're okay. I mean, yeah, Bill Belichick's a great coach. Probably the best of all time. Mac Jones isn't anything impressive yet. He will be. And the Patriots' defense is hit and miss. Right now, it's hitting. But McCaffrey comes back. Sam Darnold is just that bad. Look, if you're Carolina, you got to just pull the plug. You, you can't send that kid out there anymore. You just eat it. I'm still not sure why they gave up on Teddy Bridgewater. But you just eat it. You, you thought you could turn this kid into a quarterback. No offense, but if it's my decision, he's never playing again. And he's the, unless... I don't care if it's P.J. Walker or whoever the hell else it is. You can't play that kid anymore. He's awful. And then you talk about, um, you know, you talk about some of the other games around the NFL. It was, I mean, just a wacky, wacky Sunday. You look at the Dolphins and Texans, and I loved the Dolphins all week. That was one of my plays of the week. But then just before game time, you hear, Okay, two is not starting, and Tyrod Taylor is starting for Houston. Two is not starting for Miami, and Tyrod Taylor is starting for Houston. Uh-oh. Had two knockout picks on Miami. Whew. Speaking of knockout, how many of you people in knockout pools still have picks left? That was brutal. I'm in two different knockout pools. My main one that goes that started in the beginning of the season had already lost a ton of people in week eight. It was down to like 124 or something from 540 and lost 
another half of the pool this week. And luckily, two of my three advanced only because I'd already used Buffalo and I, with all my picks, and so I didn't, couldn't use them. I got Indy and Miami and lost with Dallas. And then in the other one that we just started, we just started another one going into this week. I lost three of my five picks this week. And not only that, two-thirds of the pool is gone already in week one, the first week we started. Insane week for knockout pools. And if you're still alive, good job. Let's go and win this thing. Unless you're in mine, then no offense, but I hope you don't. Well, what are we going to have the rest of the week? We, we, we can't think much about the Pelicans. Poor Pelicans. Um, it's going to be a long week for the Saints. They're going to have to... Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I know this. They'll be ready next week. They won't play like they played this week. And again... You could take this podcast and do whatever you want with it. Taysom Hill's going to be the quarterback next week. It'll be interesting to see. I don't need to wait for Sean Payton to tell me who's quarterbacking. Unless he's just being stubborn, it's going to be Taysom Hill. It's got to be. He was in a battle for your starting job before the season. Um, unless he's got more health problems than we know of behind the scenes. And I can't imagine that to be the case because they did let him run a couple times. And I don't think they would have done that if he had any issues. No, they only let him run once. I'm sorry, one for four. But uh, also, you got to let Kamara and Ingram run more too. So we'll see. It'll be a different game plan this week, I promise you. So, I mean, it, we'll, we'll talk about it more on Wednesday and we'll certainly talk about it on Friday on the, uh, the pick segment. Another mixed bag of picks. I did great against Conductor Dave this week and terrible against Uncle Big Nick. So it was kind of role reversal from the week before when I did terrible against One of these weeks, I'm going to get him right. Look, on the picks with Carville, third straight week, I went 4-0 uh, with my NFL picks and the Carville picks. I just can't seem to put them all together. I mean, so I'm kind of having a season like the Saints. I'm inconsistent. I'm, I'm doing well enough to be really good but not for a consistent stretch of time. We'll see how that goes. So I'm not sure who our Wednesday guest is going to be yet. I will let you know that as soon as I know. Um, but I'm sure it'll be a good one. Uh, and on Wednesday, obviously, we'll be talking Saints. Uh, we'll probably delve in LSU and Pelicans a little bit, but really it's going to be it's going to be pretty much Saints. And then again on Friday, we'll have our uh, usual picks thing. But uh, look, I want to tell you about... Uh, a big show that we're going to have this Thursday um, at Manning's Restaurant. Bet.nola.com will have a sports betting 101 show with some people from Harris will be there as well. Um, we would love for you to go. We don't. We don't have. We have a very limited amount of tickets. You can go on to Bet.nola.com and find out how to get tickets for it. But even if you can't get a ticket, you can still go and eat at the restaurant. The show is going to be on the the top floor, but after the show is over. Um, we'll all be mingling downstairs as well. Um, be glad to, t- to, to chat with you. Jeff Duncan's going to be there. Rod Walker will be there uh, as well as Zach Ewing, Devin Jackson, and myself. And we'll still be doing our regular shows this week uh, on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Um, so, yeah, come see us out at Manning's on Thursday. We'd love to, to meet with you. Again, if you want to... If you would rather just email me or tweet at me, and we'll we'd be glad to 
mention your comment on the show at Jim, at jderry at theadvocate.com on Twitter at Jim Derry Jr. Uh, don't forget, uh, want to give a big shout out to Caesars as well. Uh, we thank Caesars Sportsbook for being a main sponsor at bet.nola.com. That is going to wrap it up for episode number, number 20. Blackjack coming up on Wednesday, right? Episode number 21. We will see you then. And look, get over them blues, y'all. It'll be fine. We'll do it all over again. Peace and love, my friends. You die!